0: Welcome back to the Futurist Podcast. In today's episode, I explore the hedonic treadmill, decluttering, and the psychology of shopping with the incredible Emma Gleason. Emma has just written her first book, Stuff Happens, which is a must-read manual on conscious decluttering. From learning how to detangle ourselves from that delicious yet fleeting retail hit to how the pandemic is making us want to accumulate more stuff, this conversation felt like the perfect beginning to 2021. You'll find all of the details on Emma's book in the podcast notes. And if you like this episode, please like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Over to my really fascinating conversation with Emma Gleeson. Emma, it's so great to chat to you this morning. My first episode of twenty twenty one, which is very exciting, and I'm delighted to see you because you're bringing listeners something that I think they're just going to absolutely love. You have just written a new book. Congratulations! What is it like bringing out a book? in a global pandemic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well thank you so much for having me I'm thrilled I'm very honoured that I'm your first guest. It's great like I'm just I'm so proud of the book and yeah like the circumstances aren't ideal but as you were saying in our chat before we started recording Joe, like maybe people are reading a bit more. The book is all about you know your house and how you set up your life and I think people are wanting to slow down things a bit more and wanting to reassess how they shop. You know, there is a tie in there and whatever happens, I'm super proud of it. And I can't wait for people to read it.
0: I couldn't agree with you more. I have never had so much time to read. Every single year, I'm like, I'm going to read more. I'm going to read more. And it's just so hard when you're busy and you're running and racing. I've definitely enjoyed having more time to get stuck into things. So I d- totally agree with you on that. And that's the great thing about your book. It, I feel like it ticks so many boxes. It's covering my gas side of things with kind of the interiors and home life and then obviously the sustainability. So I can't wait to talk to you about it. But maybe before we get stuck into that, you can tell listeners a little bit about your background, what led you to writing the book. We'd love to know more about you and your own story. So my first degree, was in theater <laughs> and I specialized
1: in costume design and I thought I wanted to study that a bit more but one of the themes in the book is like life is messy and like I have lived the messy life <laughs> <laughs> I've lived many lives. like I've been with my husband four years now and he's still like unearths new th- jobs that I've had. He's like you've never mentioned that one before I'm like, sorry <laughs> another another weird one that I did but so yeah I wanted to study costume a little bit more. And uh, I went and did an MA in the history and culture of fashion in the London College of Fashion. And when I got there, I immediately got really, really interested and sucked into the world of sustainable fashion. And I based my MA dissertation—my uh, sorry, my MA dissertation was about the psychological effect of fast fashion on young
0: female consumers. I to <laughs> this dissertation, you're going to have to unearth this in post it. <laughs> well, it's a little bit out of date now.
1: It's from 2011, so it doesn't—it doesn't cover kind of online stuff like it's a little bit embarrassingly out of date now but I've updated it for the book and then the next 10 years I had like just yeah like the typical 20s of anyone who works in the media and freelancing I did still still a bit of costume designing a bit of freelancing I worked with several different sustainable companies Um, and my mental health was very very bad at different stages I talk about that a little bit in the book as well about the like kind of mental decluttering that we all have to do as well And, um, and then eventually I uh, started helping people declutter their houses. And I realized that the core of my interest in that was in getting people to, to appreciate what they owned and to buy less and buy better. And so the kind of strength of that idea grew and grew and grew. And then the circumstances about how I came to write the book are kind of mad. I did a talk two years ago um in the National Library <laughs> and um someone who was at that uh I think worked for the Irish Times and basically the jigs and the re- through the jigs and the reels Hilary Fannin who writes for the Irish Times she uh, she has a fantastic novel out this year as well one of the other books that we need to promote because it suffered from the lockdown yes. but anyway I got to declutter her house and she wrote about it in her column And like, I owe her such a debt of gratitude because however she described me, (laughs) it piqued the interest of my commissioning editor in Penguin. And um, then we took it from there. Yeah, I was asked to do a proposal. And the book is the culmination of all of the thoughts that have grown from that original dissertation. Like that's all my research into consumer culture, the psychology of shopping. It's all the bedrock of that dissertation so it's amazing like it's so funny I used to laugh like an MA in fashion history god what how useless is that you know it was kind of a vanity thing at the time and now it's proven really really useful. <laughs>
0: that's, that's an awesome thing to touch on because that comes up so so many times in the podcast is all these threads and all these experiences that people had earlier on in life thinking they were completely standalone and nothing that was going to impact them and then suddenly later on in their life I know what's happened for me the first course that I did in college that I dropped out of I've now kind of returned to so it's so Amazing. interesting that we, yeah it's kind of like we almost it's like almost like a premonition of of what your future self will need you start doing that mm. that's incredible and I love I'd love to talk about decluttering people's houses because I can imagine that's a very emotional experience you know we're also attached to our things and if someone's asking you to declutter they're obviously asking you to help them separate what is of value and what isn't so I can imagine it's a very intimate experience. It is yeah I mean I often
1: felt a little bit underqualified to be honest like I felt like I needed a counselling qualification.
0: I can imagine.
1: Um, Yeah but I think like I'm, I'm quite a Sensitive, empathetic person naturally, and I think that, as well as being, you know, organised and enjoying tidying, so I think you need that combination. You know, like, um but it can be hard. Like, I, I I never take on a client if they're described as a hoarder, or or, or or if someone contacts me on on behalf of someone else. I'm like, it's you know, it it really is very, very sensitive area for a lot of people, Um, and you know cuz i i don't make the decisions for people about what to keep i'm just there to hold the space for them if they get upset which does happen you know i'm just there to kind of calm them down and um yeah no it, it's very heavy actually like you couldn't really do it full time <laughs> it's it's like you couldn't be doing it 5 days a week with five different clients it takes it's it takes its toll like yeah mm. but i've always loved it you know you really like when you have a client who you have a good result with the feeling is just amazing like you know yourself when you do a clear out how good it is but if you had been struggling and you know to the point where you needed someone to come in and help you you can imagine the relief so I really get a lot out of it um and hopefully the clients do too but it got to the stage where I I wanted to bring the message outside of just my work with the individual clients so like the opportunity to write the book
0: was just a dream come true truly like so, yeah, it's just funny how life works out, isn't it? Well, I know that the book is so much more than just decluttering, even though that's that's something that everyone wants to talk about. But let, let's get into the book. And obviously Penguin got in touch. I'm sure so thrilled and excited to be asked. And then what was the process for you? How did you decide what you were going to tackle? Because it sounds like you cover a lot of ground um, in a lot of detail. I know it's hilarious. Like the book is like ironically quite cluttered. You know, like
1: there, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot. There's a lot of ideas in there. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And they allowed me to put everything in, which was amazing. I really, really wanted it to be more than just how to clean your house. You know, like so many of those books already exist. And it would be a bit bananas to just put another one out into the world that wasn't needed. Um, I really wanted it to be, I guess, what you'd call holistic decluttering. Sounds a little bit cringe but just trying to get to the root of clutter and the root of clutter is the elephant in the room, which is shopping, you know, what we buy um, as well as the emotional attachment we have to things, but it really is about shopping. Um, And, and there, yeah, there's, there's so much that the book covers. There's a, there's a chapter on, on body image because, you know, there's no client I've ever had or friend I've ever had who hasn't had a kind of a slightly, slightly fla- fraught relationship with their wardrobe and their clothing collection. So I I felt like it needed a full little mini chapter before the how to tackle your wardrobe. So yeah, there's a lot in there. Like the bits I love in the book are the bits where I go into, you know, the kind of philosophy of things and why we get attached to things and uh, how we can learn to value things more. You know, those are the bits that excite me. Uh, like ho- I hope people think the tidying and organizing advice is useful. I, I it has been for me. But those are the bits that excite me about the book. Is the trying to change our minds from being throwaway society to one where we just get a lot more satisfaction from what we own, what we buy, and it just brings you just. You just have a better life if you if you shop and live that way. I mean, that's what your podcast is all about,
0: right? It totally is. And, you know, I often talk about my own journey to that, coming from a fashion background and working in the media when newness and excess is so part of your job and you're constantly having to look at stuff and promote stuff. Personally, for me to make the shift to shopping less and buying less and valuing what I have you know, it took a long time and it really stemmed from just this shock at myself and at us as a society at how much weight and what that's physically doing to the to the environment and to nature. That to me gets me emotional every time <laughs> I start to get emotional when I think about it now. So that's where my passion mm-hmm. comes from. And so then when I really want to buy something spur of the moment, I can stop myself because I'm like, wait a second, I have this in place. I need to think about it. Is it something I need? Is it something I'll use? Is it gonna last? Because in the back of my mind, I, I've had that those conversations with myself. Whereas I think for most people, they don't have maybe that motivation or connection. So mm-hmm. how how do you think people can just learn learn to slow down and not buy so much and not need so much it's a very difficult thing to ask people to do well I think this is a really interesting question and point because
1: the motivation behind my original MA was doing nine months of volunteering and interning in the sustainable fashion world and realizing that my peers knew about sweatshops they knew what was going on but they had not made the behavioral change that I had right so I, what I said was, okay, if I can prove that this is actually bad for us, the consumer, maybe that will change people's minds. And the Useless Project talk about this as well. But this, this, like you, I want to show people how this way of shopping is negatively affecting them. Because yeah, it's only the kind of sensitive empathetics <laughs> uh, uh the sensitive empaths who really come at it from like a moral standpoint but if i can show people that this is affecting you negatively it, you're wasting money you're stressing yourself out you know how why can you not see that there is a huge positive benefit to you not just you know the polar bears that you learned about in school so yeah that's why i think the book is useful because it's not just geared at environmentalists it it's it's geared at um all sorts of people who might uh have haven't even you know transitioned from plastic toothbrushes yet you know so it's about how is this going to enhance your life to change not just ease your guilt about the horrific state of the planet I mean I get upset about it too I really relate to what you said it's you know a a thing I use that often gets people's attention is um there's a psychological trap called the hedonic treadmill um or the happiness treadmill it has different names and it's basically the cycle we go through when we shop. I mean, clothes is the perfect example where you get a, get a niggle for something new. You kind of get really excited about that. Then you get the the hit of the new thing, the dopamine hit. And then you adapt. It That item fades into the background of your life. And then the excitement is gone and the niggle for something new comes back. And we are caught in this cycle com- consistently. And like, I am not a minimalist naturally, like I am a reformed hoarder 100%. Like, because I worked in costume, you know, the place was falling down with vintage clothes, stuff I'd saved from plays. Um, like I really, I, I bought when I w- I bought things when I was unhappy as well a lot of the time. Uh, so I come from a place of experience with this. And, um, but when you can catch those decisions, like you just said, when you can catch those decisions, and see that this is actually bad for me not just i shouldn't buy that new thing because you know it was made unethically or it'll just add to the waste of my life you can say this is actually not serving me at all the satisfaction or the joy i think i'm going to get from this purchase will be short lived and if there is there's what is beneath that niggle for something new you know am i bored am i unhappy am i stressed it's about yes just refocusing the conversation towards how will your life be better by being more sustainable
0: such a brilliant angle to take on it because it's something that I struggle with all the time is like how can we get people to care like obviously anyone who's listening oh. to this podcast does care because they tune in yeah I know but <laughs> it's you know, how, you know how you make people who aren't engaged or don't have time to do the research or 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 figure that out and that's such a brilliant take and it's so interesting that you touched on stress there because I read a stat yesterday that has said that in the UK fast fashion purchases are up two percent since the pandemic hit and I wonder Mm. if there's a correlation between people being at home being stressed being unhappy and just needing that hit and getting it from you know a new top or whatever it is that definitely makes sense
1: no 100% like I I never order things online and I find myself being like well I just Buy a new lipstick for like I'm not even someone who wears makeup that much, but that like I can catch myself in it. But like I definitely see how <laughs> like you're just like, and then my husband is the same, he's scrolling through new clothes all the time, and he's like, I don't even need this, what am I doing? Yeah, but it's just we, we we've been taught so much that um buying things will make you happy. And this is another thing I go to go. Through in the book is like the kind of the last hundred years in the history of advertising, and a little bit about the capitalist system and like um, us being moved from thinking of ourselves as citizens to thinking of ourselves as consumers, and you know uh, the creation of our identity is th- is largely now through what we own uh, and what and how and what we work as as well. Whereas in the past it might have been you know what religion you practiced what family and community you were part of they were they were less materialistic and um, parts of your identity that were important whereas now it's it's much more materialistic and like don't get me wrong i'm not a hater of things i'm not a minimalist you know like and like something well made excites me beyond description like <laughs> you know when i buy a beautiful irish wool cardigan like the joy i get from that is is beyond anything like you know and I know I will look after it and have it for a long time and I take pleasure in you know looking at like if it needs to be fixed I take pleasure in fixing it I I take pleasure in washing it and when you make those more considered purchases um you just have a deeper connection to your life I think now
0: I get a bit hippy dippy sometimes but I just think (laughs) you do (laughs) no I I completely agree with you because it's placing value on things that you use every day I think when you have something like that that's of value and that you've really saved up for you've really wanted and invested in it feels special every time you wear it it feels special every time you look at it or you use it when you were talking I was just thinking so much about Patagonia who are a brand who I'm obsessed with at the moment and I'm doing lots of things on and their whole ethos is that like they don't want you to buy another one like they don't want you to come back and have to buy. They'll fix it for you. They'll help you mend it. They don't want you to have to buy more of it. And I, they're still one of the only brands that I've come across who has that ethos. You know, even the most sustainable ethical ones, you know, they're built on a model of selling more and and wanting you to buy more and you know obviously hoping for a world where everyone shops at brands like Patagonia is not realistic but I just love that they (laughs) exist in the world and I love that that's something that we can strive for and um and that something someone like that did have that vision I think it's it's so inspiring and it comes back to everything that you're talking about and they've been so successful yes it's so fascinating and I love that you go into the history of consumerism and advertising because that is such a big part of Of why we're in this mentality and I I really love that you put a name on that kind of happiness cycle because I know my business partner Caroline often comes to me when she's like at her wit's end after you know buying a few things that she and she hates all of them and she's sending them all back and she's like why am I on this treadmill and we've spoken about it a lot but now I have a name for her which she'll really enjoy because she'll go and look it up and have have a name but
1: she's a psychology buff isn't she she'll like yes that. <laughs> so she'll love that
0: <laughs> yeah. that's amazing so in terms of getting the word out there and encouraging people to pick this up what is what would you say to someone who is maybe listening to this and is like, okay, I'm going to read it, but I'm also going to give it to a friend. But what would you tell them? Like, it sounds like it's super accessible. It's not very narrow. It's very, very broad ranging, but would you say this mm-hmm. is a book for every consumer? Absolutely.
1: I mean, I think you can take uh, what you want from it. You know, it's been really interesting getting um, feedback from early readers, you know, because the the publishers send out copies of the book for people to get quotes back, which has been really exciting. And uh, they've all picked up on different things, do you know. Like, like say, someone really loved all the decluttering and organizing advice. Someone else loved the chapter on the body image. Someone else said they loved the mental health chapter. You know. So I really think it's a it's a book bursting with ideas, <laughs> and I really think it is for everyone. I'm not. It's not a preachy. The world is on fire book. And I really never wanted it to be that because that's never been my approach. I learned very quickly in my sustainable fashion career that shoving statistics about sweatshops down people's throats is just not a runner ever so that's why I made I tried to make the book as down to earth and non-preachy as possible like my my editor described it as like you know the bits about capitalism and the waste poison in the world you know they're like the vegetables in the child's spaghetti you think you're organizing your bathroom but we're going to talk about this now you know
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's so great though and so important because I agree with you I think Everyone is stressed and has their own stuff yeah. to be dealing with. The last thing people want is to pick up a book before they go to bed and you know be just laden down with this enormous guilt. No. It's so much better to give people something positive to focus on, and again, figure out how it pertains to them and how it's going to make their lives better. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all we all really want, really. You know, we're we're selfish beings. Yeah. We just want life to be easier and more enjoyable. Um, have Absolutely. you learned? Did you learn anything through writing the book? personally yeah I learned so much I loved learning about the right to repair movement
1: people trying to fight back against companies like Apple you know refusing the right for people to repair their own devices I think that's a really interesting area and then personally I learned that I can write a book which is amazing and um, it was bananas like I had three months to write it And that three months included my wedding
0: and honeymoon. You have a very patient, loving, supportive husband there.
1: I actually, yeah, I'm going to, I like the day the book comes out where I'm actually going to do like a fake like baby arrival photo shoot because like it is, we've both done it together. Like he has made the tea, wiped the tears. I could never have done it without him. I'm going to get emotional now. But like, uh, it's really hard writing a book. And like, no one tells you how to do it. My academic background was obviously useful because I knew about structuring and things like that, but um, it was hard. And like my team at Penguin have been absolutely amazing and they have restructured the book and edited it in ways I could never have thought of and they've been fantastic.
0: Tell us, where can we get it? Is it out now? What is the story? So
1: it is out, published with Penguin Books on the 25th of February, and actually today I launched two little competitions. There are competitions running with Dubray uh, books. You can, pre- if you pre-order a copy, you can be in with a chance to win a 50 euro voucher from Thriftify, who are a fantastic Irish owned online shopping platform. Love them. And if you order with Eason's, uh, I don't think Dubray sh- ships in the UK. So if anyone in the UK um, needs to order, uh, Eason's are offering... Uh, a free ses- Zoom session with me, <laughs> if you, if you, if you, uh, you can be in with a chance to win that if you pre-order. And what I would say to people is, like, clutter is stressful for everyone. You know, most of, so so many of my clients have said, "This is so embarrassing. I feel like I'm the only one." Everyone finds this hard, and it is because material culture is important for humans, but we have just got overloaded with stuff, and we have no like a cultural practice for getting rid of things. You know, shopping as a leisure activity, birthday presents, Christmas presents, all those are part of our culture. Disposing of things seems unnatural. So you are not alone. It is okay. And I hope if you read the book that it helps
0: <laughs> emma honestly congratulations it sounds brilliant i cannot wait to get stuck in and i know so many people are listening are going to feel the same way i hope you celebrate in whatever pandemic friendly way you can and <laughs> very best of luck and it would be great to have you on again in a while and maybe we can catch up once i've it read i'm sure i'll have a million questions maybe we can do round two <laughs> later on in the year after all of the excitement has died down well thank you so much joe it's thrilled to talk to you